there, woman beings, and welcome back to season three of the Woman Being Podcast. Woo. Today, as always, <laughs> I am here with my co-host, Emma. Hello, folks. And Happy to be back. And <laughs> Kelly. <cool>. Hello. <laughs> and of course, I am Kelly and your host for today's episode. We decided, considering it's season three, we were just going to kick it off with busting some myths about feminism. So grab a beverage, have a seat, and get ready because we're just going to dive right in. This is Woman Being, where we explore thoughts and opinions and have the freedom to change our minds without expectation or judgment. We will hold a safe space and support each other as we navigate together in the form of feminine. Hello, ladies. Hi. Happy <laughs> Saturday. Hi. Hello. <laughs> happy to be here. <laughs> happy Saturday to you, us, right now. And then happy whatever day the listener is listening. Whatever day it freaking is. Whatever day, whatever time, <laughs> week, month, I don't know. Um... <laughs> We're going to be talking about some weird, maybe not weird, stuff today, and it's focused around, like, misconceptions or myths about feminism. So we're just going to start it off with pretty simple question. What is your personal definition of feminism? Maybe it's not simple. Oh, I think it's both simple and complex. Of course. <laughs> I think it is all of the above. You would. <laughs> um. I would say that my personal definition of feminism is also pretty much in line with what I think a lot of people agree the definition of feminism is, mm -hmm. which is essentially um, advocacy for um, equality for all, mm -hmm. um, advocacy for equality specifically related to um, gender and sex-based discrimination um, and for people to be on equal footing across the board in politics and society, in the workplace, in um, laws, and in the way that they're treated day to day, all the above. Mm. That's feminism. Excellent. So good. Mine is all the more simple, yet all the more complex. Um, <laughs> you would one which up me. <laughs> is just, which is just a movement that advocates for equality and equity for all, regardless of gender or sex. Excellent. That is the end. Love it. How about you? Mine is pretty straightforward and simple, um, but it's just the, the strive for equality for everyone, essentially. I think it's definitely feminism started very female-focused, right? Like, friggin' let us wear pants, let us vote, let us own property, you know, yeah. things like that. Um, basic human rights. But from there, it's kind of evolved into a larger conversation of like, well, there's a lot of people that don't experience equality mm -hmm. in many different ways. And it's actually important that we create an equal society for everyone. Mm -hmm. And how can we dismantle systemic, like, methods and norms that are in place that prevent women and other underrepresented genders from being able to pursue happiness. Absolutely. As is their human right. Right. It's about humanity. Yes. That's, I think that's the bottom line. It's like, you're a person, I'm a person, we equally deserve a shot and a happy life. So pretty simple, but also obviously hits a lot of areas of 
our world and lives. So I understand what you mean, Emma, by both being simple and complex. (laughs) But I think a lot of people have differing opinions or understandings about what feminism means or maybe about the connotations that surround feminism, which can often lead to sort of interpretations that may think feminism means like women being in power and Mm -hmm. men being pushed away or out of the conversation or I don't know men suck women are great totally yeah (laughs) get out of the way yeah absolutely and I think that's why I wanted like to start with like what our definitions of feminism is because there seem to be quite a few definitions that kind of float around or misconceptions or myths if you will About the intention of feminism. You will. Yes. Excellent. (laughs) Um, That kind of float around out there. And it's like, ooh, like, we just want to, like, take some time to, like, express what our situation is, especially being a female-focused podcast, right? So sort of gives the baseline of where we're coming from. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, So, of course, we had to do a poll. We had oh, to we had to. Had to do a poll. How could we not? And where did we put that poll, I wonder? <gasps> On Instagram. So Instagram. you should be following our Instagram because we're constantly putting lots of fun stuff up there. We're getting lots of recommendations from you, and you get to join the conversation, which is what this podcast is also about. Wow. So. Sounds like a fun time. <laughs> I'm going to follow at Woman Being Podcast on Instagram right now. <laughs> and, and you should, too. You could also find us on TikTok at Woman Being Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. I love it. And YouTube, Woman Being Podcast. <laughs> but we don't. I guess conversationally, in terms of if you want to interact with us, Instagram the best is the place, place to be. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you can find us in other places, but we're not necessarily yeah, yeah. reaching out as much. But follow yeah, follow them all. Follow them all. <laughs> and I will cash up you a dollar. <laughs> Maybe we'll bribe say, you. Please say thank you. We're in the business of buying listeners. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> so yeah, we so we did a poll, right? We did on Instagram, and we did we. Did just a few simple questions. So we started out with, do you consider feminism to be a positive thing or a negative thing? And 78% of people said that they associate it as a positive thing. And then 22% of people said they associate it as a negative thing, which I felt like was a pretty good number. That makes sense, especially considering our audience and the type of topics that we go after. It Mm -hmm. would make sense to me that a good majority of our audience considers feminism to be positive. I, yeah. I would assume. I don't know. But, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves, I'm just saying. But, right. <laughs> but, yeah, that's interesting that there's even, like, negative connotations around it even within our audience. Mm-hmm. So that's surprising to me a little bit, yeah. to be honest. Which I think, like, I mean, the circles I come from, at least, like, feminism is still pretty much associated with a negative – or as a negative thing. So I'm like <laughs> – like, I, I'm aware of, like, people that don't think for fondly sure. of – the feminist movement. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and sometimes it's even the association of the word, but not necessarily even the concepts behind the word, right? Like yeah. there are plenty of people out there that support equality and want, you know, right. equal opportunity for all, but don't necessarily like the connotations that come with the yeah. word feminism. Or care yeah. for the label. Yeah. I mean, I I even at times hesitate to label myself as a feminist or to label our podcast as a feminist podcast when I'm describing it to people who have never heard it before because 
I'm so aware of all those assumptions that will come along with it. I mean, in a similar way, I'm hesitant to tell people that I'm a Christian or to tell people that I'm vegan because, like, there's mm-hmm. just so many assumptions that come with those words right. um, that are positive and negative. And so to put that label on is to put yourself under an umbrella and open to a lot of um, assumption and a lot of just, like, jumping to conclusions. So yeah. It, it definitely, like, makes sense that there's people that think of it in a negative way. Totally. Yeah. Um, we also asked a burning question of, do you think feminism leaves space for men? So I think this is an interesting question because you hear a lot of people talking about, like, but what about the men? And some feminists are just like, I am over-talking about the men. (laughs) They're fine. (laughs) Um, So we got some interesting results. So we've got one not really, one no, and four yeses. And then we've got some really awesome comments that Mm -hmm. people sent in. Um, So one person said, it depends on the feminist, Mm -hmm. which I think I would agree. I think most things depend on the person, right? Mm -hmm. Like, most vegans, like, there's a variety of them, or Christians. There's, like, a million different sects of Christianity. Like, you know. um, So I'm like, yeah, I get that. Um, I really liked this response. Strong, self-assured men don't need to bring others down to make himself feel better. I'm like, I agree. Actually, I would suggest that for most humans. I don't think think strong, self-assured people should be bringing people down, period, to feel better about themselves. Um, this is funny. I have never been asked to join the club, so maybe no. (laughs) Should we send out some invites? We should send some invites. (laughs) Woman Being has officially invited you, the listener, to join the feminist club if you would like. No pressure. You can be a feminist if you want. Of course, this is consensual. You can be a feminist if you want to. Listen to our episode about consent to hear all about how that works. You can leave patriarchy behind. There you go. That was a man that said that, though. That was a man. Okay. Yeah. Cool. No, yeah, definitely. Feminism is an uh, open invite. Open yeah. invite and also personal invite to you right now. But I can also see how that might be, like, a little intimidating. Like, yeah, for oh, sure. my gosh, how, how do I – what what am I participating in mm. that's hurting women? And how do I advocate for women? Because it's it can be a rocky right. journey. And, and am I, by default, excluded because I'm a man? Mm-hmm. And that could feel intimidating as well. Yeah, totally. Um, but – Good news. The answer is that, yes, you can be a part of it. Absolutely. Come join our club. (laughs) So this was an interesting comment. I have seen feminism commonly push men out slash down in order to make space for women. Um, Yeah. And I'm like, I can see how there are some feminists that might have that as a byproduct or um, maybe people feel unincluded. But I think the mass majority of feminists are very inclusive of men and aren't saying you can't be here it's saying make space for us too and maybe men feel um uncomfortable at that adjustment i don't Mm -hmm. know what are your thoughts on that that's an interesting one because i think i think perception wise i can understand where that's coming from although i don't i'm trying to think of times in which i personally have seen men pushed out Hmm. to make space for women you know like I can I can see it in terms of like crazy feminists being portrayed on the news or on the internet Mm -hmm. but or maybe in conversation even like men being like you don't have a space to talk about this like get out yeah but I also but like personally (laughs) the more I've dug into these topics the more that I've understood the 
patriarchal kind of society that we live in and how it affects our daily lives, the more I've just seen women pushed out mm. and lots of space being made for men. I think, <clears throat> and I think the perception can be that if we make space for women, then that's like a qualified man who didn't get an opportunity, mm. but it ignores maybe like the swath of qualified women that are out there, right? like waiting to take up space and like how they've been restricted from presenting in whatever area it is right. due to their gender. So, I mean, like, yes and no. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I've seen it way more op- often the other way. Totally. Um, I don't know. Well, and it might hurt more for men because they, maybe they're not used to, like, nope, you don't get this or you don't get this space versus I feel like women kind of deal with that on the daily. And yeah. so it's like it's more of an affront to them potentially. Yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Em? Yeah, I think that I, I'm i hard-pressed to find examples of men who have practically been pushed out of positions of leadership and different things because they're men and to make room for women instead. Um, I think that more and more women are being considered now who are, in fact, qualified for positions. Um, More and more women are taking leadership roles in the business world, in politics, um, et cetera. And I don't think that means that men are being pushed out. I think it means that women are finally being considered who Mm -hmm. actually had the capability to do these things all along. Um, I don't personally know of a lot of examples of like, quote unquote, unqualified women coming into leadership positions just because they're women. Um, So I'd be curious to hear from this person what those examples are. It sounds like they've seen this happen a lot from their comment. And that's not something that I've seen. Um, I think that, yeah, it's this fallacy of um, the idea that People gaining rights and people gaining recognition means that it gets taken away from you. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's actually not how it works. Like there actually is room for many people to have like the same rights and the Mm -hmm. same privileges that you have. Um, That doesn't take them away from you. And like I think that people get a little bit afraid of the idea of um, not being the default anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think that men who are opposed to feminism are afraid of the idea that they will not be getting things maybe as easily as Mm -hmm. they did before because Mm -hmm. they're not considered the default anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's scary to them. Um, But also I think that's something that they shouldn't have had in the first place, you know? Right. Um, I also think that even if there are times that men have maybe been quote-unquote disqualified because they're male um, in for the sake of like lifting a woman up for feminism that doesn't disqualify the feminist movement as a whole mm-hmm. so for example right now we are actually seeing people's rights be taken away for the sake of um, Christian values right mm-hmm. we're seeing that with uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned we're seeing Christian values being put as a large part of the reason why uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned and why the anti-choice movement has um, been so potent. Uh, But that actually also takes away the rights of so many other people who are non-religious, who are of other religions, people who think that we should have access to the choice for abortive healthcare. Mm -hmm. But I would argue that just because there are Christian values that are behind a lot of the anti-choice movement, Um, That doesn't disqualify the religion of Christianity from being a valid religion. You know, Mm -hmm. that doesn't disqualify 
uh, the values and the teachings of the Christ. And that doesn't make me want to not be a Christian. Like, it actually makes me want to be a Christian even more because I want to propel the teachings of Christ that I think are valid and valuable. And so I think that to say like, oh, feminism is bad because I've seen men get pushed to the side, it's it's illogical in the sense that you're disqualifying an entire movement on the basis of certain instances or on the basis of um, certain sects of mm. that movement. Yeah. So when I think of what Ali Wong talked about, we reviewed her book. I can't remember the name Dear right Girls. now. Dear, Dear Girls. Girls in one of our episodes in season one. one. And um, she talked about how a man approached her one time and said another like comic who is white and male and said, well, you're so lucky. You have so much more opportunity than I do because you're female and you're Asian. Mm. And she was like, what are you talking about? Like, and if, if you think about it, really, the establishment, or at least the precedent that's set in many positions of leadership and celebrity culture, whatever, is made, has made lots of space for white men who I know feel very attacked, I think, by that concept. But there's plenty of space for them to, like, they have heroes to look up to. They have connections that they can pull on. They have people to bring them into positions of leadership as it comes to shoulder rubbing and, like, whatever other systems that are in place that help people gain success Allie has had to overcome not having all of those things mm -hmm. and um if some of the concessions that have been made to allow more room for minority and females to gain the spotlight have helped her that's like one small thing that has been on her side against all of the other many million things that have been against her for being sure. successful so I think Kind of the assumption that, like, minorities have a leg up because they're different or whatever is, like, it's a little out of tune, I think. Right. It's, it's just, like, not quite understanding the scope of what minorities and women go through to achieve and be successful in our society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like the fence analogy. Yeah. Are you, it, like, if anyone's not familiar with it, it, it's the idea that if you have two people that are trying to look over a fence and one of them is already tall enough to look over the fence and one of them is not tall enough to look over the fence, you give the person who's not tall enough a stool so they can also look over the fence. Just because you're assisting them to look over the fence, that doesn't mean that this is, like, unfair. They're both getting the same view. Mm -hmm. And in that analogy, you can look at men as being the taller ones and women are the ones who are getting a stool because they've been already put at a state of disadvantage. Yeah. And they still need to see over the fence. You could say the same about race. Um, mm -hmm. And it... <laughs> it's it's ridiculous to think that just because this person got a stool that this other person should also get a stool. Yeah, so they can um, be even taller and yeah. have an even better view. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, or sell the stool and make more money. <laughs> um, no, I like what we're saying. I think overall it just kind of feels like maybe people get insecure about more competition. Mm -hmm. And I like what you said, Emma, of um, people get uncomfortable no longer being the default. And I think that's really true. And I think that applies to many areas, not yeah. just feminism. Yeah. So our final comment on us asking if feminism leaves space for men was that as allies, I believe it's about equality for women, not inequality for men. And I couldn't agree more, honestly. Maybe we're shifting the focus to what it shouldn't be by saying like, oh, but like, what about the men? I'm like, the point isn't to like cast men out or push them aside. Right. The point is, how do we work together to build the best world we can for everyone? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think 
I mean, I think, I don't know, maybe men who are like evil and want to maintain their power and not have equality for all are not in this camp. But I think generally most people would want equal opportunity for all, like good, Mm -hmm. like even even playing fields for everybody. Yeah. And so um, the reason men need feminism and the reason that there is space for men in feminism and actually men are needed in feminism is that in order for us to create a just society and a place where everyone wants to live and a place where we want our children to grow up, daughters and sons, we need equal playing field for them. Like we want them to grow up learning how to respect their neighbor and love Mm -hmm. their neighbor Mm -hmm. and have um, honor and dignity for the people around them regardless of gender. And Mm -hmm. so I think, yes, men who are looking for good opportunities for their daughters, for their sisters, for the people they care about the most need feminism. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Who who would say like, no, I don't want equality for women. Like, I mean, I know those people exist. There are people, yeah. Most people, you're right. They're like, yeah, of course I want women to have the opportunity. I'd say most people in like the Western world would say that for sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Besides the fact of like men needing feminism for the women in their life that they care about, but just men should want feminism because women are people period like yeah. regardless of whether they have any women that they care about in their life they should care about like common decency for humanity mm-hmm. and um i think there's actually this really great um like emma watson speech where she talks about feminism and she essentially invites men to the table and obviously emma watson is amazing <laughs> literally iconic. <laughs> iconic um but she talks about how uh, you can't have um like how can you expect change to happen in the world if half of the people of the world are disqualified for con- from contributing to that change mm-hmm. which is why we need men to be feminists mm-hmm. like and she essentially invites men this is your formal invitation to be feminists mm-hmm. now um because they're there's no way that we actually can do this without allies in men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's similar with any cause <laughs> um, in trying to lift up people who have been um, oppressed, lift up people who have been disqualified, uh, is that you actually do need allies to come alongside you and to utilize the power that they've been given by default, by mm-hmm. society, to um, contribute to that cause and to help co- create an equal distribution of power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think ultimately the more voices that are invited to the table, the more people that are able to contribute to um, a better society, the better society and more just society that we're going to have. And that's why I think like reframing what feminism really is about is really important because it goes beyond like me as a white male, I'm not going to get an equal shot at whatever job because I am super qualified, but I'm you know, stacked up against another qualified woman or minority. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. it goes beyond that, like, one-on-one thing. I mean, those are the small things that do build up what we're talking about. But, like, feminism means that women across the world have access to education, Mm -hmm. that women across the world have access to period products so that they can go to school and go to work and aren't stuck at home unable to, like, make an income for, you know, like, 20% of their life. Yeah. Feminism means that we 
like fight against war and environmental practices and other things that are unjustly and disproportionately affecting women and their ability to actually contribute to society. Because I think my, I mean, my general belief, especially if you're coming from a Christian perspective, is this worldview that all nations come together and, you know, are under one roof and represented equally or whatever. I don't know exactly. I'm kind of like butchering a, a scripture from Hebrews, I think. Anyways, um, but if that is like your worldview, this idea of all nations coming together, then mm-hmm. the the um, the fundamental like way of thinking that sort of builds that just society and that like homecoming of people together has to be in dismantling like systems that keep certain people wealthy and and rich and wealthy and rich are the same thing, but keep certain people wealthy and in power and keeps other people unable to access decent, basic human rights. If that makes any sense. <laughs> I feel like I rambled there. I lost myself for I mean, a second. But I followed. I followed. Yeah, I think allying with people, it's all very important. And <laughs> well, and it just it just goes beyond like, is feminism for me because it benefits me? And it goes into what does feminism mean for the world and the type of country that I want to live in or the type of like city that I want to live in. That's that's what mm-hmm. feminism is about. And so it starts in the granular and it extends to the, the macro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that feminism at the end of the day, I mean, does also benefit men. So if yeah. you're thinking about, well, how does this benefit me? It benefits all uh, because feminism not only advocates for, you know, women to have the ability to go out on a normal day and not overanalyze what they're going to wear for fear of being sexually assaulted or Mm -hmm. um, for women to have more opportunities in the workplace or to close the wage gap or all those things. But feminism also actually advocates against things like toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. um, and the emotional toll that goes on men where we have um, the leading cause of death for men under 50 is suicide Mm -hmm. because men are under so much stress from these toxic masculine ideals that they're held up to. And that's part of the patriarchy that feminism wants to take down. That's good. And so men actually can reap so many benefits from feminism. It is for them as well. Um, I think that a lot of times men uh, and people in general will think that feminism is not for them largely actually just because of the word. Um, I think that that's one of the um, sort of like kind of tragic um, <laughs> parts of the label is that the word feminine is inside of the word feminism. And so it's associated immediately with being for women and women only. Mm-hmm. But um, if you look at a term like anti-racist, right? A lot of people can get behind that term because they're saying, oh yeah, I don't want to be racist. <laughs> like I would, I would not, I don't think being racist is cool. I don't think being racist is a good thing for our society, for our world. I think that we should be equal as, as races. We are all people. If you use a term like anti-sexist instead of feminist, then maybe more people would come behind it. But part of the issue is that feminist is the like colloquial term that that falls under anti-sexist um, or there's also like the term pro-feminist instead of just being feminist, which is allowing you to maybe like disassociate yourself slightly from mm-hmm. calling yourself feminine um, that men will use at times. And so it's it it's sort of unfortunate, <laughs> the wording that we have for it, but it's also the term that people most widely understand and know. And so it's the term at least for me, that, like, I use, right? So um, I think that's one of the flaws is that we need to reframe the way 
that we think about feminism um, and understanding that just saying feminine in the word doesn't automatically disqualify men. And also men shouldn't be afraid of calling themselves feminine anyways. Like we already have that issue, which is another thing that feminism would help eliminate. Yeah. (laughs) Is the idea like we already have all these toxic ideals that um, men are insulted by being called women. Like Mm -hmm. men are insulted by being told they throw like a girl or that they're a pussy or whatever. And that's like, another thing that feminism is trying to dismantle and it's another way that men can actually work against that toxic masculine system is to be okay with taking on a feminine label like feminism yes i completely agree there's so much work to be done right and that like back to what you said about uh the emma watson speech like this is your official invitation like Mm -hmm. we need you like come help influence change on a mass scale that everyone will benefit from so i mean i think Like, sure, there's some weird offshoots of feminism that are very minority and small, but the majority of feminism, this is what it is, right? So, I mean, at least the feminism I interact with is so much more welcoming and is advocating for equality for all. And I think that some of that also has to do with, like, the waves of feminism, and we're currently in third-slash-fourth-wave feminism, and it's very different from second-wave feminism or Mm -hmm. even first-wave feminism, and so... yeah. No, I agree with you. And I think a lot of the negative connotation with feminism is from first and second wave feminism, Um, not necessarily third wave feminism is how I've kind of described it to people that are maybe a little older and are like, oh, no, not feminism. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But Mm -hmm. you're for equality. Mm -hmm. You're for – and I, like, ask them these questions and they're like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, so you're very feminist. And they're just like – And they're just like, I guess. (laughs) Well, and I think with that kind of comes the fear that feminism dismantles traditional home values or that it encourages women to go into the workplace and not have children or to not be stay-at-home moms because that's like an inferior – position or to be lesbians yeah or yeah (laughs) feminism tells people to be lesbians and (laughs) to never have sex with men ever we're just like one big cock block (laughs) but that's the real fear here for the men (laughs) we're just like they won't get any (laughs) extra large cock block no what what it actually (laughs) what i think that's fair because there have been like these waves of feminism have sort of pushed against those traditional values we've said no we don't want to be stay-at-home moms we're going to be career women Mm -hmm. like we don't even want children we don't want to like we don't want any part of that and i think like as the pendulum swings one way and back the other it like eventually settles in the center right which is i think what i mean any sort of movement is pushing for is like something where like it can be accessible to more people that you know stay-at-home moms can be just as feminist as the career woman who's never had kids or the career woman who has kids and has a stay-at-home husband you know like there's lots of different options there I think and I think that's what um the evolvement of feminism has created (laughs) space for is that that it's more about like you can be whatever you want it's like this is in support of your pursuit of happiness in whatever form that takes but we don't want you to be prevented from being that career woman because there's no opportunities for you to step into high positions of power and we don't want you to be prevented prevented from staying from home staying at home because um you know single income households don't allow for people to live that way anymore whatever i don't know yeah yeah I mean, I think that 
it's all about removing obligation, right? Mm -hmm. Like we are trying to remove the obligation for women to stay at home and remove Mm -hmm. the obligation or the expectation that women are going to have children. And do the laundry and the dishes. Yes, that women are the homekeepers Mm -hmm. or that women are going to have specific kinds of jobs, Mm -hmm. um, that women are only teachers or nurses or midwives or whatever, that women aren't qualified to uh, lead a country or Mm -hmm. to um, be a doctor or a CEO. to be a CEO mm-hmm. or a major chef, you know, mm-hmm. like the, which is, is wild because we, we actually see this happen a lot where um, women are allowed positions that are, um, for example, women are meant to be the homekeepers and therefore the, the chef of the home, right? But most of the top chefs in the world are men. Mm-hmm. And so women are told, no, you have to cook, you have to clean, you have to do all these things. But the people who actually get elevated in those fields are, are men. men at the yeah. end of the day. Um, and so even when we talk about these like pro- supposed proclivities that women have towards cooking, if we use this example, or the creative Mm -hmm. arts, you see filmmakers dominantly are men, Mm -hmm. whereas women are told, oh, you're more artsy, you're more for the soft sciences, you're more for the arts, Mm -hmm. but they're still not elevated Mm -hmm. to the highest levels the way that men are Mm -hmm. in those exact same fields. Women dominate nonprofits, but CEOs of nonprofits are dominated by men, like Mm -hmm. those types of things. Yes, exactly. Well, actually, women dominate the church. Yes. Two thirds of the church and parachurch organizations are women. And we see about probably, I mean, I don't even know the statistic, but a very, very, very high percentage of the leaders within those organizations are men. Oh, it's the vast majority. One last point then before Mm -hmm. we move on, which is this kind of idea that um, of the angry feminist. And I, and I think I want to, I don't want to like debunk her because Mm -hmm. I think she's very real. I agree. But I do want to debunk that her anger is unfounded or not like based yeah. in anything like, oh, or that it's hysterical mad. or that it's yeah ridiculous because if you look at the injustices in the world if you look at the statistics on how women are treated how women experience men there are many countless reasons for women to be angry at men mm-hmm. and so that doesn't mean feminism disqualifies men mm-hmm. but that there are very valid reasons for women feminists whatever to be angry like, yeah. look at our sexual assault, assault statistics. Yeah. We're talking like one in five women has experienced sexual assault. Probably even more than that have experienced sexual harassment in some form. Like, mm-hmm. we're talking very ridiculous, like, and, and no prosecution. Like, yeah. those types of things, I think, are what, I think injustice fuels, like, rebellion, right? Or resistance. Mm-hmm. And so the resistance that men, I think, experience feels harsh or strong or Mm. kind of like beyond what is necessary like why can't we all just get along we i don't have anything against you why do you have something against me and i think i think the the hard hardest part about feminism for men is recognizing one's complicity in that sort of trend Mm -hmm. and i'm not talking about just sexual assault i'm talking about like just patriarchal systems in general that are cause for anger and being able to be angry with us. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that's the the thing that is missing is, like, men are allowed to be mad with us that women are yep. sexually assaulted at ridiculously high amounts and have ridiculously no, low amounts of justice. Right. Like, men are allowed to be upset that there are girls going without educations in many countries around the world. And some are even in sort of education debt here in the U.S. So, like, yeah. we're talking about very extreme 
serious problems Mm -hmm. that the feminism movement is fighting against. And so, yes, we are angry. And yes, that is okay. Like, it is okay. I think that it's, it's okay that black men and women are angry, that black men are disproportionately killed by police. Mm -hmm. Like that is something you should be angry about. Yeah. And like, as white people, it's not our job to be like, whoa, don't be so angry about it. We didn't do it to you. Like, yeah. that was our ancestors, not us, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, we get to be angry with them yeah. that something unjust and horrific is happening to their community. Yeah. And that comes back to that ally point, yes. right? Of, like, that is allying, that is advocating because, like, you're with us and understanding where it comes from. No. And, like, this is, I think, the perfect example for men being able to use their privilege to inform like help influence positive change through accountability with other men, through advocacy, through education. Um, And that is the opportunity that they have. So I'm like, again, join the club. (laughs) So we also asked some questions um, and we left space for that within the um, survey, which is really fun. So we've got a few that I think are really interesting and important. So One is thoughts on gender roles. Are there any things that should primarily be allocated to men? My thoughts on gender roles. I think gender roles, I don't know what they serve, if that makes sense. So like, for example, traditionally in a um, hetero marriage, the man goes to work, makes more money than the woman. Like, what is the point of that? Like, what does that do? How does that help? And statistically, the currently, I believe, women, marriages where the women woman makes more money are 50% more likely to end in divorce. And people associate that with, oh, well, like, it's because of his masculine ego or whatever. And I'm like, I mean, maybe, but that just shows to me that, like, maybe you guys, like, had a little bit of weird competition or, like, like... I make more money than James and we literally don't care. Like it doesn't matter. We both got money to throw in the pot and money to spend. That's great. So I think for gender roles in general, I'm just kind of like, what does it serve? What does that do? Like, shouldn't everyone be able to do what they are best at? Yeah. I mean, I think that we're like, when you see those statistics, like those marriages ending in divorce, to me, that is a product of toxic masculinity. It is a product of of ego possibly being um, bruised because of this, like, feeling of inferior inferiority mm-hmm. because the wife is making more money than the man. I and would... I think that that's something that we need to break down when it comes to the feminist cause is mm. is hoping to break down those toxic masculine um, teachings that we give to young men and to boys mm. in telling them that they need to make more money or telling them that they have to be the breadwinner, et cetera, et cetera. Like that actually, um, that doesn't work in the society that we're building now. That- well, also hot take. Maybe the reason that divorces are higher in instances where women make more money is because when women have access to more money and abilities to gain power, they don't feel stuck in unhealthy, toxic marriages. I think that's yep. very possible. Um, and also it's something that's hard to even like evaluate because it's so it's case, so by, case case. by case. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when it comes to gender roles in general, I I think that they just don't fall into the way that 
were the the view of marriage that's being formed in the United States now. I mm-hmm. I just it there's there are tasks and there are things that married couples do together, right? You've mm-hmm. chosen to be in a partnership. You have chosen to be um, in this particular uh, arrangement to do your life together, mm-hmm. right? And so you divide up responsibilities. Whereas myself, as a single person, I have all the responsibilities on me right. of everything that happens to make my life function in mm-hmm. everything from feeding myself to keeping my home clean to making enough money to pay rent to making sure that I'm a happy, healthy human, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I don't see why that would necessarily change if mm-hmm. I were married, um, except that I would then have someone who's helping me. Right. Like that doesn't mean that I am now disqualified from making money to pay the rent because I'm married to a man now Mm -hmm. because I've been making money to pay the rent for the past, you know, 10 years, however long I've been, you know, paying rent. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so and so I think it's kind of silly to think that that there would be gender roles within a marriage in that way, because People, like, if a person is capable, then they're capable. And also, if people have, like you said, different strengths, then, like, the people within that union should play to their strengths and work together to have a better life together, right? Yeah. And when it comes to gender roles in general, I mean, we kind of already touched on this, but, you know, women being told that they can only have certain jobs because of their gender Mm -hmm. um, or men even being told that they can only have certain jobs because of their gender. Men are told they can't be nurses. Men are told that they, they, they shouldn't be a teacher. They shouldn't take on these like more soft uh, positions and are often ridiculed for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's kind of like ridiculous to put people into a box that way And I think that it comes from stereotypes that we've had that stem from the patriarchal system that our culture is built on. Mm. Well, and also I think the question of roles is so cultural Mm -hmm. and it's so like community based and so much of it is defined by like what the norms are, where you are. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think roles exist for sure, but I also think that the freedom for people to push against what is a cultural norm should be allowed and and celebrated, I think. Um, Because, yeah, men, at least in our society, may have a higher proclivity for STEM work, let's just say. But that shouldn't prevent women who want to take on STEM jobs from getting those jobs or from being able to thrive in those environments. Um, Women in our culture, tend to have a higher proclivity towards, you know, teaching, more nurturing sciences, whatever you want to say. I hate I hate it when people say women are more nurturing, but yeah. <laughs> just a little bit of mind. But let's just, like, culturally, I think that's generally true. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean women who aren't nurturing should be disqualified from being able to be successful. And that doesn't mean that women can't move away from that or that men can't move into those spaces. So mm. I think, like, gen- should gender roles exist I don't know. But do they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. They definitely do exist. Yeah. And, and like, it's not wrong, I think, to operate within them Mm -hmm. if it is something that is right for you. But I think the goal is not necessarily dismantling gender roles. The goal is creating opportunities for people to step outside of them and and live life as they 
see fit for themselves. Yeah. I think that's more how I would answer that, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. It's like, what works for you? What are your strengths? What works in your relationship? Like, those are all things that are very nuanced and that will change drastically from person to person. It's like, what works for me and my husband will probably not work for a lot of people. And that's okay. That doesn't mean it's wrong, but it's right for us. Um, And so that's kind of how I feel about, like, should there be specific things for men? It's like, well... These skill sets that people are good at, people should do, regardless of if they're men or women. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's also – the thing is, is, like, when you talk about this idea that a certain gender might be more inclined towards a position, like, that all comes from the the cultural mindsets that we've been raised with, right? So, like, women have been told for the past, you know – several thousand years, you are the nurturers, Mm -hmm. you are the child bearers, you are the ones who are taking care of this. And in some sense, it made more sense when we were in a less industrialized society, right? Like when we were in a less industrialized society, we had women giving birth and women were unable to do as much work while pregnant. Mm -hmm. And women were unable to, um, you know, be separated from their children while nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so men were, that that burden of providing for the family was put onto the man of the family, right? Um, but women were also not given the opportunity to learn how to read mm-hmm. um, or the opportunity to pursue any sort of other, you know, vocation outside of parenting. Uh, and so I think that there are are certain reasons why these gender roles have been put in place that make sense from like an evolutionary and historical standpoint. Uh, But at the same time, we are not in that same kind of society now. We are able to Mm -hmm. provide childcare to children while women go to work. We are able to, um, you know, women are allowed to be educated now. Mm -hmm. Women are allowed to to pursue these other opportunities. And so we have to break down the idea that women are only nurturing Mm -hmm. because women actually are afforded the opportunity to not be nurturing Mm -hmm. in that same way anymore. Um, And I think that we also have to break down the idea that men must not be nurturing, you know, because there's so many men that would love to be a stay-at-home dad. There are Mm -hmm. so many men that would love to spend more time with their children or who would prefer that over a full-time job in the same way that they used to have the pressure to do. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that like there's certain proclivities that these people have, I think it was more a necessity of distributing the burden of Mm -hmm. family um, in the past. And now we have to move forward and evolve with our society, evolve with technology, evolve with all the different opportunities and the ways that we can function as family units now. Um, and and like it's it's kind of ridiculous to still hold on to those things when so much has changed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I think culturally, those things will always exist. I feel like no matter how far along we progress, there's always going to be some kind of expectation or obligation placed on people based on either their gender or their age or like their height or their skin color or like whatever. Like I can't, I mean, I think we can dream of a world where there's no obligation and people can just be whoever they want to be and blah, blah, blah. But like, I mean, like realistically, culture is always going to play a role in deciding someone's future and like how they they move forward with that. And so I think it's it's more about like, 
can we create freedom now for people to push against some of those boundaries as it has limited them? Mm-hmm. Um, and less about like, can we just destroy the traditional understanding of gender roles, period? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like w- maybe someday what we know now of gender roles will disappear in, in that sense. But there's going to be other roles, obligations then. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I mean, I think that there's we people love um, like compartmentalize and segmenting people to better understand how society works, yeah. right? And to better wrap their minds around it and to to make order and sense of out of chaos. Yeah. And so I think that people um, like assigning something like gender roles because it it brings that sense of order and of of sort of um, knowing what's what, right? Uh, and we've seen like past gender roles be totally eliminated in certain cultures. Like, mm-hmm. we see now that women are no longer considered property mm-hmm. in the United States. And that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Women are considered full human beings according to the law now. Mm-hmm. And that is on paper. And that is great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we are not told that we are property anymore. And that was a huge breakdown of a long-standing gender mm-hmm. role that mm-hmm. had been around for several thousand years. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think you're right, like in that in the future, quote unquote, gender roles um, may look radically different from what we think of gender roles right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe they're not necessarily even gender roles at that point. Maybe it's some other kind of role, but it's it's a way of assigning people. And it's something that we as a as a human race constantly have to work through Mm -hmm. and have to, like, come to terms with things that are against what we think of as the quote unquote norm. Mm. Yeah. There you go. There's what woman being thinks about gender roles. <laughs> it's like one long, complicated, and whatever answer to that question. Yeah, but it's complicated. It's complicated. Are we ever not? <laughs> are we? Are we ever like not? You know, is there anything straightforward? No, but that's <laughs> that okay. That's why, why we, we have, have this podcast. podcast. <laughs> yeah, a lot of gray. Yeah. So this is an interesting question that I feel like we've touched on. Um, but how do you balance women's rights while also honoring and valuing what men have to bring? I would say women's rights is not dishonoring men. It's more holding men accountable. For example, uh, Kelly earlier mentioned the sexual assault rate right now. A lot of those sexual assault cases never like go to court or the man isn't convicted or if he is convicted he serves very limited jail time there's all kinds of statistics on that like it is not like me dishonoring a man saying you have to pay an adequate sentence for your crime that you committed against another human being so i think of it that way i don't think of it as like dishonoring i think of it as like accountability which really in the long run is honoring Mm-hmm. No, that's true because if we can't – we don't call them, call them out. Like they can't change. They can't grow. Like mm-hmm. the reason that sexual assault rates are so high is that men can get away with it. Yeah. There, there are no consequences. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's no need for them to understand consent or no need for them to like be concerned about whether or not something that they're doing is lawful or okay or wanted by the other person because mm-hmm. they have – a lot of power to just do whatever they want in that realm. Absolutely. And that's not healthy for men. No. That does not create good, like, life-giving, society-building men. No. That creates power-hungry, dangerous, 
toxic masculine men, right? And so if feminism is about evening the playing field, it's also about dismantling some of those things that have allowed, like, evil into our society, Mm -hmm. if you want to call it that. Yeah, I think it's just, like, the idea that, like, saying something is unacceptable doesn't mean that we're dishonoring you or being disrespectful. It's saying, hey, like, you're out of line, Hopefully you can come get in line Mm -hmm. and participate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that feminism actually very much so honors men and that it honors their humanity in the same way that it honors women's humanity. But also like when I feel like I hear the argument where it's like, well, like, why are you so focused on women? You know, like, Mm -hmm. why does gender matter here? We should just be focused on equality for all, you know, like not just focusing on equality for women and and that kind of thing. And it, it reminds me of that argument and the thing is is that gender matters here because like that is that's what we're focusing on in this moment as we talk about feminism right it's Mm -hmm. it's this and people are like well men have hardships too like men have things that happen to them too yeah men do have hardships men do have things that are rough men do have ways that they've they are hurt or ways that they have been um disadvantaged sure but (laughs) it's like saying well, why are you researching a cure for cancer when there are heart attacks happening every day? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, <laughs> the thing is, is we're looking for a cure for cancer because cancer is a problem mm-hmm. and cancer is a big issue. And we are not invalidating that heart attacks happen. Mm-hmm. But hopefully as we as a medical society, like a medical group work towards a cure for cancer, it's actually going to lead to medical advancements that will help all people Mm -hmm. that will help possibly also lead to a cure for heart attacks. Mm -hmm. You know, like this, these medical advancements are actually good for everyone. Mm -hmm. And just because we're focusing in on a cure for cancer doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge that heart attacks happen. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that we don't care about heart attacks. Mm -hmm. It means that that's our focus here. And that's the issue that we're honing in on. And that actually these issues intersect Mm -hmm. and that a and a solution for one is is like a benefit to all. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think speaking of heart attacks, it serves to acknowledge that there are some some systems in place in our country that are disadvantaged for men. We mm-hmm. could talk about the draft. We could talk about giving up children, children's rights. Oh my god. <laughs> well, what do you call that? Parental, parental rights. Parental rights. Parental rights. Yeah. Men are disadvantaged in that area. Mm-hmm. We see it a lot. We see that's the only two examples I can think of. Men are more out. likely to be convicted for a crime. Mm-hmm. Yes. Men are more likely to be put in prison, but not for sexual assault, but other things. Yeah. <laughs> not for that, but for everything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there, there are systems in society that disadvantage men. Um, but if you look at, you have to look at the majority numbers. You have mm-hmm. to look at, like, the opportunities that a man with zero money has to making it to the top compared to a woman. And even a white man against other gender or races, like mm-hmm. there's th- there's huge trends here. And because one injustice here is happening, it doesn't invalidate the reality of a bigger injustice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even if you look at, for example, when we're talking about qualification, right? Um, I... This might, this is probably a pretty hot take. Um, <laughs> hot take! Go for it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, in the 2016 election... Right. We had Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that the more on paper qualified candidate did not win because because of their gender. And if you look at 
Donald Trump's political qualifications at that point in time, they were next to none. If you look at Hillary Clinton, who had served as Secretary of State under President Obama, who was the first lady of the United States, who has this lengthy and like well, um, like easily um, observable political career, she did not win that election. And I think a huge factor in that was gender. And so when you look at something like that happening, um, it's hard for me to say that across the board, we yeah. need to be focusing on mm-hmm. men's rights being advocated for. Um, which again, to reiterate, feminism actually does advocate for men to have rights. Mm-hmm. And feminism actually does include men having like a more equitable system when it comes to um to, to the criminal justice system mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, how men are treated when there is a separation of parents. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I truly believe that feminism advocates for that as well. But the biggest trends that we see yeah. and the, the 2016 election just being one example of that is that uh, women are we 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 need a stool mm-hmm. we need a stool to look over we the need fence. A stool. yeah mm-hmm. and you look even at the 2020 election the way to beat trump was to bring another white man into the position mm-hmm. to be elected like that is a huge reason why biden was put forth as a democratic candidate was because he was seen as the only option that could actually beat trump when there were so many women who were coming forward to run for the democratic candidacy mm-hmm. who were very qualified who were very well spoken but who simply could not win because they were against a man mm-hmm. like yeah. It seems very simple to yeah. me when you think about it that way. Well, and I think one of the number one complaints that we hear about men, uh, from men, about, like, sort of the feminism movement is like, oh, I'm not going to have an opportunity. Or an unqualified person is going to be put in a position that I was qualified for because, you know, they're a woman or they're a minority or whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I literally, this drives me crazy because I literally see unqualified men put into positions of power every day. Literally. Every <laughs> left day. Left and right, guys. It's and left and right. I literally <laughs> sit here with my qualified self and my career experience and I shut my mouth and I wait because it doesn't matter Mm-hmm. what kind of education that I have. It doesn't matter how much experience that I have. Men are going to get first dibs. Mm-hmm. They just are. They have the friendships with the people who are making the decisions. Yeah. They have the... They're in the boys club. They're in the boys club. And so I, the whole argument that like, oh no, what if we put a black person in a position, but they're not actually qualified. And there was a perfectly qualified white man that could have taken it. And I'm like, calm down. <laughs> There's unqualified white men Everywhere. Literally. All sorts of positions of power all over the place. And so you have plenty of opportunity to go where you want to go. That's what I'm saying. Well, and also it is a like either sexist or racist assumption to think that you would be putting someone who's unqualified, who's not what you've typically seen in power. Yeah. You know, like so I've I heard people argue when President Biden came into the presidency that he was being racist or sexist towards white men because he was promoting and elevating people of color and women in his cabinet. And those people who he put into his cabinet were 100% qualified for the positions they were being put into. He was just taking initiative to 
bring them into that position that they hadn't formally been allowed the opportunity to. Yeah. And the opportunity was not prevented from them because they were disqualified yeah. or, or because they didn't have enough experience. It wasn't afforded to them because they weren't part of the club, because they weren't the figure of what people expect to see in power, mm-hmm. which is in our country and in our current Western society that favors white men and that is patriarchal at its core, those are the people that they expect to see in power and those are the people that they automatically assume have qualification. Yes. And then the people who don't look like them, people assume don't have qualification despite cre- credits that they do have. It's, yeah, it, it's a it's a really unfortunate automatic assumption and very racist and sexist in roots that has been made and continues to prevail somehow despite like literal data (laughs) yeah literal data (laughs) so to clarify does that mean we hate white men no no but yes i am jealous of the white men next to me with x amount of experience that is minute to mine who is put in positions of power ahead of me yes Mm -hmm. and i'm angry about that and that's okay yeah that is why we do what we do so i guess the short (laughs) answer is Men are honored every single day. Um, (laughs) Every day is men's day. Every day is men's day. (laughs) So moving right along, we got a few answers to this final question. And it is, what do you assume about feminists? So the audience, they get to submit any assumptions they have, which I was very excited. I wanted more juicy stuff. They didn't come at us, but that's okay. (laughs) So they often have defensive perceptions of men's actions or motives. That is an assumption about feminists. That is an assumption about feminists. They have defensive perception of men's actions or motives. Like, meaning we come across as defensive. Mm -hmm. Towards men's actions and motives. Like we're defending men? No, like we are uh, defensive towards them. Like we're assuming wrong to men. Mm -hmm. We are assuming the worst of men, Mm -hmm. essentially. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that it comes down to science, right? So <laughs> it's just the facts. No, just the science. But like yeah. if something, if you observe a phenomenon happen over and over again, scientifically, you can come to the conclusion that that is going to continue to happen. Mm. Uh, that's just the way that, you know, observation, scientific observation works. Mm-hmm. And so if I've observed over and over again men sexually harassing women, If I've observed over and over again men catcalling me, men treating me like less than a person, men looking to the man next to me instead of me when Mm. talking, when asking for money, when somebody, uh, when a a waiter hands the check and assumes that it's the man who's going to pay. Mm -hmm. Like when all these things happen, I can look at that data that is observable in my real life and also in the stories of other women that I hear. And I can say, yes, I have come to the conclusion that there is a problem when it comes to the way that men treat women. That does not mean that I am constantly assuming the worst about men. I love men. I date men. (laughs) I have friends that are men. I love my father and my brother and my stepfather and my uncles and my grandpa. Like, I have so many men in my life that I cherish. Mm. But that does not mean that I'm going to ignore the observable truth that I've seen of the ways that men trend in treating women Mm. that creates an inequality. And so, yes, I might at times assume 
quote-unquote assume the worst about a man who is a stranger or about a man who I'm hearing about who is a politician or about a man who's being accused of sexual assault, yeah, I'm going to probably assume that they did it because I've seen an observable trend that tells me that assumption is likely to be right. Mm. And so I think that's logical (laughs) to Mm. an extent. So sure, you could say from that frame of view, yeah, I'm going to assume the worst about men, but that doesn't mean that I'm a man hater or that I think that all men are the same, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think ignorance plays a big role in it too. Like mm-hmm. if you come into a situation saying the same old thing that all the real sexist men say, <laughs> you're going to sound and look a lot like a sexist. Mm-hmm. And so even if your intentions are like good or like not malicious, um, if you look and act and conduct yourself in the same way that like not great guys do like emma said it's only logical yeah <laughs> looks like a duck sounds like a duck it's probably a duck yeah <laughs> and know? so like, that's logical yeah and so it's about like this is less about like are we overly defensive and it's more about are you taking the time to understand and counteract the current Status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it's not like I approach every man that I interact with and think he's probably going to be a sexist or he's probably going to sexually harass me. But there are things that like indicate to me whether or not somebody is safe. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things that indicate to me whether or not um, somebody is trustworthy. Has my best mm-hmm. interest in mind. Yeah. And yeah. so like, I'm going to take those into stock and also like Again, if so many things have been observable, then at a certain point, you're, yeah, you're going to disqualify some people based off of certain things. Mm, Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And I think, um, I think it's also about perceived defense. For example, if a waiter comes over to the table and hands the check to James instead of placing it in the middle of the table, and I point it out, is that me being defensive or just letting him know, hey, like, you could actually set it in the middle of the table and let whoever is going to grab the check, grab the check. Like, or I think of another example, one time in the workplace, someone called me Bride of James. Like, we're in The Handmaid's Tale. Um, And I was like, I don't belong to him. Of James. But I wasn't, like, being mean. It's just like, hey, like, that you might have been that nice, but it comes across real weird. Yeah. Um, and I think that's okay. And I think it, it people need to be willing to, like, receive that. And maybe they're not – maybe men in particular aren't used to receiving that type of feedback from women. And so it feels defensive. But I'm just, like, saying something that's fact, you know. And so maybe men just aren't used to it. And so it feels weird. Well, and yeah. also maybe women are just absorbing – all sorts of sexist comments all the time, every day. And every once in a while, we deserve a chance to point it out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and like, what's wrong with that, too? Yeah. You and, know? And I get it. Like, defensiveness is not the, you know, it's not the uh, road to connection and, like, you know, whatever, cohesion or I don't know. But, but I think, A, yes, it could be perceived as defensiveness when really it's just accountability yeah and be like maybe it's okay that we're a little defensive after like the barrage of shit that we deal with all the time i don't know yeah (laughs) totally well and i'm like we can't expect be expected to be like perfect all the time (laughs) you know what i mean like if it's like wow this is like the final misogynist like piece of 
like the needle that broke the camel's back. Like it is what it is. Like, but I do try to like check myself and be like, oh, like, no, I'm not going to say this this way. I'm going to say it this way because I wouldn't want this person to perceive I'm attacking them. I still need the benefit of our relationship or whatever, but also like this is a boundary. Mm -hmm. So boundaries are uncomfortable. They are. They should make you a little uncomfortable. But yeah, no, you're right. Like this is the, the idea is not like feminists don't need to be, you know, uh, I don't know, accommodating. But I think the idea is that they are people too. And Mm -hmm. they're trying to do their best to navigate the world and also like get their fair share and advocate for others. And yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. Maybe it's just to approach things with a little bit more humility and like ask questions rather than like just repeat things that you've always believed or known. I don't know. Like I can understand how it feels like a landmine of, I don't know what I can say or can't say. And Mm. I get that. I know how that feels. Um, Because there's a lot of people groups that I'm not. So I know exactly what it's like to try and like navigate conversations with people who have a different life experience, um, especially when it's politicized and Mm -hmm. made more volatile. But um, I think I think it's easy to just walk, step carefully and ask humbly and um, seek understanding rather than like trying to be able to do it the way that you've always done it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that people often bristle at the idea of receiving feedback or receiving something that uh, goes against maybe what they've already always known. And so I think that I think that's a natural human proclivity, but that it's it's okay to open yourself up to (laughs) to being wrong. And we need to be more comfortable with being wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that just because someone is letting you know that something was offensive to them or that something was hurtful to them, that doesn't mean that they're attacking you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that so much of it does have to do with relationship and whether or not you're in relationship with these people. And honestly, if you're trying to genuinely broaden your horizons and understand people more seek out relationships that are different from you Mm -hmm. and that's going to bring a lot more quote-unquote landmines where you don't know what's the right thing to say um but if you're in relationship with other people who are different from you you also um have the ability to again like ask what is the right thing to do here Tell them, I don't know what to do here, Mm -hmm. and I want to know how to do better. Mm -hmm. And uh, understanding that you actually have a small frame of reference for the human experience and that you can learn how to interact with people who have very different frames of reference from you by just getting to know them more Mm -hmm. and by exposing yourself and by putting yourself into those situations. And so that's something that I've learned over the years. There's, again, like you said, Kelly, there's so many different human experiences that are not my own. And so relating to other people actually breeds for less of that quote-unquote defensiveness because you're gaining understanding about other people's perspectives Mm -hmm. and you're gaining... um, maybe like, you know, a mile in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And so I think that uh, it, it change is hard. And I think that hearing that you're wrong is hard or hearing that you might have done something hurtful is hard um, because there's so many people that don't intend to hurt people, but that do because they um, they were raised a certain way because they are used to a certain way of doing things. Uh, and... At the same time, they have access to information. 
They have access to education. They have access to the internet and books and all sorts of different things that are going to show them, um, teach them more about other people. And so it's not always really our responsibility to (laughs) educate them about those things. And it can get really tiring to educate them about those things. And sometimes I just don't want to, you know, respond to every single, you know, sexist comment that's made around me. I can say we don't (laughs) want to be a buzzkill just as much as you don't want us to be a buzzkill or even more. And so when we do be a buzzkill, it's because we've taken a great load of effort to step out beyond our norm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun. No. At the end of the day, like, it is an act of um, coming together as a society and, like, building understanding amongst people that are different from you. Uh, that actually is going to bring down people's defenses Mm -hmm. and allow people to have understanding for one another. Mm. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Our final assumption that was submitted to us is that many feminists don't try to see men's side of the conversation. Mm. I think I can see how people might assume that, but I think... Most feminists have gotten to the point they're at is because they're very tired of only hearing the man's side of the conversation. I would say that they feel underrepresented by the man's side of the conversation. And that is why that's why we feel the need to speak out and be vocal and advocate. Um, And believe it or not, men are pretty much still the dominant voice in our culture. And so we kind of can't not hear their side of the conversation. That's the thing. We know the men's side of the conversation in a lot of respects. Like, I'm not going to be naive and say that I know all of a man's side of the conversation and know all of the hardships that a man could possibly interact with or anything like that. But we've heard a lot of it. And we have grown up with the understanding that we must actually operate within um, within a male-dominant system. And like that's what patriarchy is, is a system that's favoring men. And so it's not that we don't want to hear the man's side of the conversation. I think it's that that's not the conversation right now. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's the... We are advocating for equality for all and men in our nation and in our Western culture have had so many privileges afforded to them um, that equality for all is not as focused on them. It's, It's focused on women. It's focused on trans people, queer people. It's focused on people of color. And that's because they're the people who have been discredited, disenfranchised, um, and oppressed. (laughs) And so the idea of like, oh, they're not listening to the man's side of the conversation, um, it, it makes me ask the question, like, are men listening to what the conversation is, mm-hmm. you know? Like, are men understanding that this is a conversation about about human rights and about uh, people being afforded equal opportunity? This isn't a question about whether or not men have hard things happen to them or whether or not 
um, men can be part of the conversation. We, like we said, we want them to be part of it. Mm-hmm. We want them really badly to mm-hmm. be part of it, actually. Um, but that's not the conversation. Yeah, and I think I just, I feel like for any man out there that feels unheard, you're not. <laughs> you're. Just, I mean, like, you're not. You're. We've heard, you know, like, uh, our entire political system is made up of men. Our entire media system is made up of primarily men. Our, like, Hollywood, books, like, et cetera, art, culture, like, all the main cultural leaders in the world that are communicating things to the world are men. And all the women that are in the, that those spaces are women operating within a male society. And so I think we know the language. And that is not to, again, claim, like, oh, we've got it all figured out, but, um, and that is not to say that you don't have a voice in the conversation, mm-hmm. but it is to say, like, what is the side that you're talking about? Like, because that is the side that we talk about every day. Also, like, the whole idea of the man's side of the conversation is almost, like, yeah. to me, that's a fallacy in and of itself. Because, are we on the same side? Yeah. In my mind, we are on the same side. We are, again, I'm like, we're harping this point home just like, over and over again, but (laughs) feminism is about equality and equity and equal opportunity for all. And so what is man's side of the conversation? Mm -hmm. The side is, do you believe that people deserve human rights? People deserve to be treated with dignity and respect, Mm -hmm. that people deserve to have opportunities in all the different realms of society that we've talked about. We are on the same side. Mm -hmm. If you don't think those things are necessary if you don't think those things are worth advocating for then i i don't think that's the man's side of the argument i think that that's a whole different side of mm. the argument yeah. that is made up of all sorts of people and there there is that side and there's women on it yeah mm-hmm. and that's the thing is that i i don't think that saying that they don't listen to the man's side of the argument it it kind of breaks my heart a little bit because it's it, to me it shows sort of a misunderstanding of what feminism is and a misunderstanding of of where they get to contribute, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I couldn't agree more. I think, yeah, the basically the answer is, men, we actually want you in the conversation. So what conversation are you having <laughs> that you feel unheard Because uh, we hear you. We do. Um, so I guess, like, all this... Into consideration, final question, final few questions. Can men be feminists and can men benefit from feminism? If you don't know the answer, <laughs> go back and listen again. <laughs> because Rinse I like maybe you didn't hear our side of the government. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yes and yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, period. period. <laughs> I feel like we've really driven that point home. Yes to yeah. all of the above. Yeah. 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 Feminism benefits all. Yep. And men should want feminism Mm -hmm. because it is going to benefit them at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I often joke that my husband is more feminist than me because he encourages me and pushes me in ways that I think I am disqualified from because of whatever conditioning. And he's like, actually, no, that's not true. 
get out, get out there, go get mm-hmm. him, Tiger. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so truthfully, we need feminist men in our lives. It's mm-hmm. very important. And they can help support us and even check us in mm-hmm. ways that we might not think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, There's nothing hotter than a feminist man. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love a good feminist man. <laughs> you have a For good sure. feminist man. Oh, <laughs> So as we're kind of like wrapping up this discussion around feminism, if men can be feminists, uh, if feminism benefits men, what are the myths around feminism? I mean, good Lord, we talked about a lot, but important stuff, important stuff. You better, you know, you better be taking notes. But what are our hopes for where feminism will lead us? What do we hope that the world will gain from feminism? An idyllic, just, and perfect society. (laughs) Um, I think that feminism is necessary as long as we live in a patriarchy. And um, that meaning that as long as we have a um, system of government, as long as we have a culture, as long as we have a... um, society that defaults to men that is built on male power um we need feminism and uh i think that my hopes for feminism is that it leads towards a more again a more just and equal society that it leads to um people not questioning whether women or anyone is qualified to do something because of their gender. Mm. Um, I think that uh, feminism in its most perfect state is intersectional, which is something we've hardly, we touched on a little bit, but feminism has historically left out um, people who um, are lower class, people who are in poverty, people who are of uh, different races, who are not white women, Mm. um, who are wealthy. Uh, and I think that my hope for feminism is that it becomes more and more intersectional and more and more inclusive. Um, my hope is that feminism spreads around the world and allows for women in other nations where women have way less rights and way less opportunities than we do here in the United States, that it spreads to those places and, and brings liberation and, and more free societies, um, all over the world. Um, and that my, like the ultimate hope for feminism is that there's not a question about whether a woman can do something and there's not a question about whether, you know, we should provide healthcare to women. Mm -hmm. There's not a question about whether, uh, women should be able to sustainably manage their menstrual cycle like Mm -hmm. there's not a question about whether a woman should be elected to a presidency where it's not a big deal Mm -hmm. um that's the ultimate hope you know yeah i couldn't have said it better myself i think women have a lot of value to bring to this earth and i think that we've been prevented from um sharing uh what we're fully capable of and um I I see a future where <clears throat> where my daughters and sons and whoever, I don't know, all people can can reach for 
anything, reach for the stars mm-hmm. and go after it and not be prohibited uh, based on their sex. Yeah. And I think um, the more we come together, the more women in leadership, in positions of power, in wealth, in all corners of society, the more equity for all people that we will have, um, the more we'll dismantle those harmful things that are that affect men, the more we'll dismantle harmful things that affect minorities and people of color. And it's, yeah, it's all together. Yeah. And so. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say, like, I hope for a world that I am very proud to bring my a daughter into or mm-hmm. a son or that, like, she would be safe in, mm-hmm. that she doesn't have to worry about walking home with her keys between her fingers or if, you know, something were to happen and she become pregnant or need an abortion, that that's not a question, like that she have rights, that she have the opportunity, that she be able to amount to any dream she might have in her beautiful heart and that men feel like they have space to come alongside her. And that they can support her and advocate for her as well. And that she in turn can advocate for them, right? That there's equality, equality and equity. So, yep, just those few little things. (laughs) (laughs) Just something light. Just for your, whenever you're listening to this, you know? Just like a casual Sunday afternoon. Just some season (laughs) three musings. (laughs) Well... I mean, we're off to a great start. We're going to have a great season. Mm -hmm. I think we're all very excited to be back in the studio Mm -hmm. and uh, to keep bringing the content that the people want. (laughs) That the people are are just begging (laughs) on their knees. What do the people want? We want to know. We want to know. So freaking follow us on Instagram so you can tell us what you want. We are freaking here do it. for the conversation, the connection, the discourse. That's why we started this. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. basically our entire podcast outline today was from you guys. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for those that contributed. And if you didn't, that sucks. But you better catch mm-hmm. us next time because <laughs> we'll have it again. Well, and not only that was the podcast outline written by you, the listener, but the podcast topic was suggested by you, the listener. It was yeah. by men who wanted to know, how do I navigate toxic masculinity? What does it mean? What is feminism? Is there space for me? And so yeah. that is why we did that. Yeah. Why we sat down today yeah. to talk about this very thing. Mm-hmm. So thank you, you for showing up <laughs> and contributing to the conversation. Make sure that you are following us on all the podcast platforms because we are on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on Amazon. We're on Amazon Music. I don't know how those two are different, but I think they are. We're on Stitcher. Kind of, we're maybe. on YouTube. You can follow us everywhere. Make sure you're liking, following, subscribing, and please give us a review because it actually really, really helps us out. So. Yeah. We'd appreciate it. (laughs) Without further ado, we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.